And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, data scientist and former professional baseball player, Sam Goldberg. Sam was a contributor to American Soccer Analysis and was a data scientist at DC United. Sam, thanks for coming on the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. You and I are here today to talk about analytics and MLS and in soccer in general. And I want to ask you about how data and advanced stats can be useful for clubs and for fans but first, I got to know, how do you go from pro baseball to data science to soccer analytics? Walk me through that pathway. Yeah, so it's a, it a bit of a funky story. I don't have the most traditional background in the world. Um, so I, I played baseball in college my whole life, and I used analytics when I was playing to improve myself as a player, so in player development. Um, and around that time in, in college, I went to a, a presentation on basketball analytics um, which for those analytics, analytics junkies that listen to this, you know, basketball, soccer, fairly the same. I've been a soccer fan my whole life. So I figured, you know, it could be applied. So I locked myself kind of in the college library for a few weeks, taught myself some network math, and then, you know, used a connection or two to, to find my way to an internship with Minnesota United. Um, from there, I just started, you know, it really was just kind of down the wormhole. It ended up becoming a huge passion of mine. And, and now what I do all the time. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of have that story and background. Um, but it's, it definitely isn't traditional. You've been working in and around soccer analytics for a little while now. And I, I want to get your pitch. What, what's your pitch for soccer analytics, Sam? Because I think a lot of people are still hesitant to accept data and rely on it over the eye test or even in conjunction with the eye test. And we're also... I think still in an age where a lot of people, myself included at times, get intimidated by statistical terminology. So so why should the average MLS fan or the average soccer fan care about or seek out these underlying metrics? Yeah, so I think analytics as a whole, right, equals better decisions, um, theoretically, which then should theoretically equal better players and, and more wins. So that would be at a base level. Um, but your sentiment is completely, you know, spot on. That data is scary and it's scary to people with a non-math background and it's scary to people with a math background. Um, so if, you know, if you're intimidated by it, then the people that are putting it in front of you aren't doing a good enough job. Um, and so I think that, you know, really statistics allow everybody to be on the same playing field. There's no, you know, sentiment involved and it should never take over the eye test, right? How a person is in the locker room, how they are as a player in person is just as important um, as their actual skill set. Um, so they should always be using conjunction with video, with watching the player in person um, in order to, to create the best decision making, 
you know, processes possible. Um, it should never be, it should never be the end all be all. Towards the end of this past year, at the end of 2020, you and Mike Imbergio put together a stat called Davies, which has a, a great name that may be rooted in Major League Soccer. Um, and you guys described that stat as being soccer's version of baseball's wins above replacement stat. I want to I dive into this metric with you because it's a fascinating one to me. Sam, what inspired this Davies idea and how does it work? Yeah, so Davies was actually born out of a really, really bad job by Mike and I forecasting how players were going to do in the future. Um, and so out of that, what we realized was that we could predict a player's goals added um, really, really well with non-event-based data, um, which allows teams to access a, a wider array of, of data and leagues if they don't have event data for every league. Um, and so it's a combination of a bunch of different models, one that predicts goals added, one that um, predicts a player's play style, and then it adjusts based on, you know, age and the play style, how good they are as compared to the average player in that group. So it's really wins above average rather than wins above replacement. But in this case, it would be goals added above average um, rather than goals added above replacement. Sam, how can teams around the world use a stat like Davies, a wins above average stat like Davies to their advantage? Yeah, I think it, it all goes back to finding, you know, the diamond in the rough players. So if you can, if you can find, if you can look at and analyze players, um, with an objective, all encompassing metric, you can start to weight things like salary or transfer fee, um, next to them, which then allows you to quantify, you know, how much per goal added above average does this player cost? And it, does that, you know, trend league wide as well? How are we comparing to other teams in the league? Are we overpaying or underpaying? It allows you to quantify things that are often talked about in terms of sentiment rather than actual numbers. Who are some players that Davies likes the most? Or maybe players that we wouldn't expect it to like, but it, it really does anyway. Well, obviously, it's namesake, Alfonso Davies. It, it, <laughs> it loves. Um, but, you know, across the league, it's at the very, very top level, it's the same players that you'd expect. So 2019, Carlos Vela, 2018, Miguel Almeron, 2018, Joseph Martinez, um, really like Sebastian Blanco, really actually likes Alexander Katai and Pozuelo as well. Um, Pozuelo has kind of, there was an article by Kieran Doyle that just came out. This is really good about why G plus doesn't necessarily like Pozuelo. Um, because, Expected goals added is more of a top level metric that isn't digging deep into the actual um, possession based metrics. It actually favors Pozuelo, um, and especially him this past season during his MVP year. Darwin Quintero is another one that it, it absolutely loves. Um, so those were a few of the MLS guys. Um, in terms of European guys, Timo Werner, um, before his move to Chelsea, uh, he has one of the best Davies seasons all time in Europe. Um, in, in that year before it moved. Do you get the sense from MLS teams or other teams in the US or even other other connections that you might have in other leagues around the world? Do you get the sense that a lot of teams are using stats like Davies or, or even other stats that are are created by people outside of clubs? Do Do teams actually use some of these things that you guys are putting out there? Because if they don't, then I think they're missing out. Yeah, they, they definitely do. I mean, I don't think as many teams as should use it. Um, but, but yeah, teams definitely do. Uh, I've, I've gotten emails before and, and messages before from, 
teams asking questions about various uh, various things. And that's why we put the front end is, is to create kind of accessibility and allowing teams to play around with the data because um, that creates understanding. But yeah, teams teams definitely do, at, at least domestically and, and Europe as well. Um, so the more that we can promote data use in soccer, you know, the, the better it would be. Zooming out from Davies for a minute, what's your sense of how much stock MLS front offices in general put into data and analytics? Well, I think it's completely club dependent. You know, I've had, I know clubs uh, that don't use any data whatsoever um, and will kind of shy away from it no matter what. Um, And that's the route that they've gone. And, you know, that's fine. I I don't agree with it, but that's their view on it. Um, Whether it's reliability, knowledge, whatever, whatever it may be that they just, they won't use it. Um, But then you have other clubs that, you know, really use it to the fullest extent, you know, that they can. Um, I think everybody knows who those clubs are and, you know, the Toronto, Seattle, seems like the two clubs that get to the MLS Cup final for every single year. Um, but they they do a great job with data. Devin and Ravi are awesome. And so, yeah, it's completely dependent. After that Seattle and Toronto tier, because Elliot McKinley was on this podcast last year and he mentioned those same two teams but after those two clubs, who in Major League Soccer is kind of in that next tier of willingness to use data and stats? Well, I wouldn't say that that next tier. I would say, you know, every every team has its own data story and they're all kind of evolving, you know, over over the course of time. So I wouldn't say that one team is better, you know, than the other. Those were those were the two that come to mind as being leaders in the field. But, you know, Sean Steffen in Houston, who's a, another ASA you know, alum is, uh, is phenomenal in what he does. So I would say definitely a Houston Dynamo, you know, Dean Costalos and, and Phil uses data. I'm trying to think who else off the top of my head, but, but it's growing, which is, which is the most important thing. Tim Crawford in New England. Um, so the more and more that we see every year, the better. Is there a disconnect in a lot of these clubs? I'm thinking about Houston specifically, who haven't been a hugely successful team over the last few seasons. And, and we've talked about how data and analytics are designed to create wins. So is there some sort of disconnect in a lot of these clubs? And I, I'm just using Houston as an example between the analytics department or the analytics staff member and the actual decision makers in some of these organizations. Um, I mean, I can't speak to Houston as you know a specific example, just because I, I don't know. Um, but I think the general rule of rule of thumb is that there's there's going in the early stages of data within a sport. So soccer, although it's been, you know, 10 years now, it's still in the really, really early stages. Um, there's always going to be a disconnect because it's something new that people view as potentially not um, telling them that they're wrong. And so there's always a disconnect and, and working and finding that common ground to, to solve that disconnect is, is something that's huge. But I think, you know, Houston has an excellent player recruitment pool. They've sold unbelievable players and they've signed unbelievable players. So I think in that realm, they're doing, doing, you know, an excellent job. I, I just can't speak to their actual processes. Zooming back into Davies for a minute here before we move on to talking about trades a little bit. How long does it take you to build a metric like Davies or, or something similar to that in, in the work that you've done in the past? Because it seems like it's an extremely or it would be an extremely time consuming process. 
Yeah, I think once again, like I sound like a broken record, but it's all dependent on on the goal. Davies would have been a lot quicker if Mike and I weren't really bad at forecasting uh, <laughs> forecasting things. Um, but I think Davies overall took about a month, a month and a half. Um, the trade analyzer took a little bit of time. Pitch control took a little bit of time. Um, but I would say in a month and a half region, it was it was a lot of work, but definitely worth it. What's next for Davies or what still needs to be improved to continue to refine that model and refine what it's able to do for fans and for teams? Well, I think just as the metrics improve, Davies will be improved. You know, we're, we're only, you know, we're the result of goals added being created. Without goals added, there's no Davies um, or expected goals added, let's say. Um, so as goals added improves, and the data quality improves and the data available improves, Davies will also follow suit. We'll keep tinkering with the model to, to aid in, in our accuracy. Um, but we can only be as good as the model that's before us, which is goals added because we work off, off of that. So it seems like there need to be precursors, right? There need to be trendsetters, even, even from one model and one stat to the next. So what happens what happens next? What frontiers are still left to be breached within the field of of soccer data and soccer analytics? Oh man, I mean the, really the possibilities are endless. Um the, so most teams have access to event data, which is a, like each on the ball action is an event and that's a data point and the the possibilities are still endless with that with tracking data and body orientation data, you know, really the possibilities are are completely endless. I think the application of data, though, is is honestly more important than the actual data itself. So how teams apply it to player development, player recruitment, you know, create those workflows for opposition analysis as well. That's going to be the real impact that, that occurs rather than, oh, all this brand new data is coming out. What can we do with it on a theoretical level? It's going to be those that apply it, you know, that have a lot of success within the industry. Walk me through tracking data and, and body positioning data because I'm familiar somewhat with tracking data and I can sort of reason out what body positioning data would be, but I, I want to hear it from an actual expert. Yeah, so so tracking data is every player's location on the field 25 times a second and that allows um, that allows you to create models such as pitch control from uh, as Will Spearman did, uh, which is you know who owns the space on the field essentially and you can deduct a lot of really good things from that in player recruitment and opposition analysis. Um, you can do, you know, possession value added models from it. You know, the possibilities are really endless in what you can create in terms of recruitment, opposition analysis, and sports science um, fields from that. Um, within body orientation data, I don't know if it even exists in soccer, but it seems like the natural next phase um, in player development, um, in baseball, there's an app now called Open Play AI. You just take a video of someone, and it will give you every like body parts location in space. And so, if you're thinking, oh, you hear an announcer say, oh, that he leaned back too much on that shot, that's why the ball went over over the crossbar and not in the net. Well, in the future, you probably will be able to quantify that and do research to see what's the ideal positioning to be in when actually kicking a ball or scoring a ball from different angles, which then can be taught to create efficiencies in, in players on your team. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Shifting our, our scope a little bit from the field and from some of the metrics that are related to the actual on-field action and maybe into front offices a little bit, towards the end of 2020, Sam, you wrote an article on AmericanSoccerAnalysis.com called Making the Most from Trading setting your team up for success in the MLS transfer market. And we're going to get into a few different facets of this. But first, I think the idea of trading assets is pretty straightforward to the American soccer fan or the American sports fan, I should say. But it's pretty unusual in soccer. What is it about MLS and its construction that makes trades so common and, and makes a trade analyzer like this necessary? Yeah, so MLS has you know these these rules that even I don't understand. A lot of people don't understand that allow for, for trades to happen. Um, and trades occur um, specifically because of, I think, the rule setup. Um, and there's also things that occur in this league that are not player-based that can be traded. So these trading chips like international spots, draft picks, um, et cetera. So that brings up trading. You know, one team might need an extra international spot because they really want player X, but they don't have it. So they need a way to get it. Um, and so that just base necessity on its own creates the need for trading. Um, and so I think that kind of itself um, is, is how it started. But you can look at the idea. And the reason I wrote the article was because I basically was seeing all these tweets like, oh, Team X traded a draft pick for Team Y for 150 grand. And then the same thing happens the next day for 25 grand. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, there's got to be a way to quantify this to create you know, a, a singular number that's representative of the value of the pick. And that's kind of what you did, right? You built an MLS trade analyzer in that, or you you released it in that article at least. 
And that analyzer doesn't just analyze player trades, but it can analyze unique MLS currency that you're talking about. International slots, draft picks, allocation money. How does it, how does it work? How did you build this thing? Yeah, so I actually, the, I, I put out a call for help on Twitter. There's, there's been so many trades that have uh, happened within you know, the history of MLS that we wanted to basically take in every single trade that happened into a usable um, data set. And so I'll give, actually, I'm going to give a quick shout out now to the people that really helped me with that article. Um, so if you're listening to this, Sophie Lexin, Andre Say Castillo, Zach Beery, Alex Hopkins, Felix Pate, Luke Samblom, or Pranov, you know, thank you guys so much because without them, I, we couldn't have done it. What a squad. Um, yeah, great, great group of people. <laughs> um, but basically what we all did is, is we collected data from the MLS trade tracker website and they release every trade and how much and who went where. And we put it into a usable format. And from there, we were able to work with the data set and filter it out. Um, to say, okay, in the history of the league, there's been 15 trades for this. What did they cost on average? And is that indicative of the true value? And so for each thing that was available to trade, international slots, picks, GAM, TAM, et cetera, we, we did that. We, we followed that process. Can you walk me through a trade then using the analyzer or using the same reasoning that the analyzer uses? Yeah. So if, so recently, I think somebody traded an international slot for 175 grand. So let's say they call how a team would do it is they would say, okay, we're looking for a slot. The average historical value of the trade was 110 grand. But we really think that this player that we were signed to fill that international slot would make a big impact that's worth the difference in money. So we're going to pay 150 grand for it. And that's a knowledgeable overpay. So they're using the trade analyzer there to get their base price, figuring out how much they're over, going to overpay for that slot. So they pay 40 grand over, but the return on investment in terms of that player's output allowed them to not worry about overpaying. And how about a player for player trade? We see those occasionally in Major League Soccer, a team swapping one guy for a player on another team. How do you measure the value or the the related value of one player to another in a deal like that? So whenever you trade, you have to kind of treat the player like a, another bargaining chip, which is, which is awful to say because they're, they're human beings. Um, but that's how we quantify it. Um, so if you take their goals added for the season and you'd say, okay, team, team X thinks that that player is worth four goals added over the course of the season and Team Y thinks that their player is worth five goals added over the course of the season, and they swap. Goals added can then be converted to a dollar amount based on the history of player um, player to to money trades. So one goal added is about, as it says in the article, I think like sixty four thousand gam. Um, so then, if you find a player that's worth two goal two goals added, then he would be worth one hundred and twenty eight thousand in gam in trading value. And so in the player to player trades, you can predict what that player is going to do for your own team. And then that's how you would evaluate that opposing player. What about with MLS super draft? And, and we just had that draft recently. So how do you measure and how do you, how do you vary the value of a draft pick? That's maybe the first overall pick in the first round versus a pick later in the first round versus maybe a second or third round pick. Yeah. So we, the way we did it is we separated it into a first round versus non first round pick just because of the amount of trades of 
that have occurred for draft picks and in the history of MLS is not a lot. Um, so we needed to be a little less granular with our analysis of that. Um, but yeah, you could, you could look at how players have played, how first overall first 10 picks players have played over the course of, you know, their careers to see how much they, they're valued. Um, but that, that would be one way to do it. We, we went the, the easier route in terms of how, how much have people traded for these picks, regardless of how they played. How can teams use, we've been talking about all these different uses for the trade analyzer, but how can teams use it to add value to their organization? What's the application for teams here? Um, I think just making more knowledgeable decisions, you know, understanding when you're overpaying and overpaying and by how much um, is, is key. Because when you have that, you can start building up a data set of quantifying that and figuring out when to have those knowledgeable overspends as well as balancing that against knowledgeable underspends. Are there plans to make this trade analyzer into some sort of public interface? I know ESPN, I think, has that basketball trade simulator. Is there a possible future with this MLS trade analyzer in a similar online format? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. It's been a, it's been a busy, busy few months here uh, since that article got released. Um, so that's why we haven't kind of, we put it on the back burner developing some other stuff. But yeah, that's definitely the goal one day. Um, the, the problem with it is the data collection is really, really time consuming and manual laborious, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, it would be, it would be really, really awesome to, to, to make public. We've gone through Davies. We've gone through the trade analyzer. I want to take us forward into the future. Imagine it's 2030 or 2050 or whatever it is. And Sam, you're the, the soccer analytics czar in the United States because, of course, we're <laughs> going to have one of those. What would you like the analytics landscape to look like in the soccer world down the line? That could be 10 years, 15 years, 30 years from now. I mean, at, at just a base selfish level, I, I just like every team to have, you know, a a data scientist on staff, that would be a huge improvement from where today is. Um, and I think, I think the, the real big thing that I want is the, is the foray into player development. I think it's a whole untapped, you know, world of resources when you actually use data to improve a player's game rather than just saying, Oh, who does what well already. Um, and so from that, you can, that would be the kind of goal that I see is, is developing players based on analytics. And that's something I haven't heard a lot about before when, I, when I'm having conversations with people about stats in soccer. What are some practical ways that, that the relationship between data and analytics and player development can be strengthened? Um, I think, you know, it, it's really hard to say because <clears throat> the data itself doesn't necessarily exist yet. Um, so I think the body orientation thing is a big thing. I think there's already applications of it in sports science. Um, in terms of strengthening players and speed and strength. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'm just like the general public in the sense that I'm excited to see, see how it's used. What other projects are you working on, Sam? We've talked Davies, we've talked trades, we've talked even some future stuff. What else are you working on right now? Uh, Mike and I are working on a points above replacement model, um, which, which I tweeted about, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but the, it's been a, it's been a tough road with that. Um, so we're chugging away through that, trying to quantify goals added to points. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're, that's what's on the, on the forefront right now. And before I let you go, I want to, I want to give you a chance to plug yourself for the listeners out there. Where can people find you? Where can people read your work? Hit them with all the details. 
Yeah, you can you can read all of all the work that Mike and I have done on American Soccer Analysis, um, which is you know the blog with written by some of the greatest people that I know. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Sam Goldberg eighteen eighty two. So Sam Goldberg G O L D B E R G one eight eight two. So I tweet out all my work there, um, and then you can also use our front end, which is Sam Goldberg eighteen eighty two dot shinyapps dot io forward slash shinyelf. Um, and there you'll find the Davies interface that we've been talking about. You came prepared with links and with spelling. Sam, I really <laughs> appreciate you coming on the show and shining a light on all of these sorts of soccer analytic-y type of things. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Joe. Listeners, thank you for listening. And MLS Assist will be back again soon. <laughs>